0: Hello and welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, author of How to Start a Side Hustle, and resident business coach. Serving you straight up business advice to help you start, grow, and scale the business of your dreams. Hello, and welcome back to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford. And on today's episode, we have a fellow author, and her name is Isabel Beach, or Izzy Beach. Izzy was a fellow author in the How to Survive the Modern World series, which was what How to Start a Side Hustle was a part of. Izzy's book was How to Be Online and Be Happy. And she's since gone on to write a second book, which is called Sunbathing, and is more of a personal bits and pieces of her life story, but with a bit of a fictional spin as well. Uh, Izzy actually started her career out in the very early stages of content creation with brands like Vice and writing in an online platform. Um, so we talk a lot about the transition from, you know, going, yeah, the content, how content has changed over the years um, with some really incredible discussions around, you know, why it can sometimes be challenging to keep up with content and, and what's changed and what's expected of the internet and people producing content on the internet. Um And we also shared and talked about the process of writing our own books, um, how Izzy went about getting book deals, Um, but a really insightful part of the conversation for me was how Izzy talked about writing and creating as part of a grieving process that she personally was going through. And then ruminating on that and allowing it to evolve and grow and not necessarily feeling the need to push it out and, you know, have this kind of instant satisfaction or or results from that process, but allowed it to, yeah, unfold as it needed to, and when the timing was right to to then be able to release that in a way that felt right for her, which I thought was really incredible considering we live in this very instant world of content creation and putting things out and likes and shares and maybe rushing the creative process. Uh, So yeah, another awesome conversation. Very grateful for Izzy and all that she shared. And yeah, just a a fun, (laughs) fun bit of rogue conversation. But enjoy the chat and look forward to hearing what you think. Yes, ask (laughs) the question. (laughs) decided to ask a question right as we hit record welcome
1: to the podcast what was your question i'm so sorry i'm clearly i'm green at this (laughs) like talking (laughs) through everything and forgetting that this
0: is this is happening it's live We can't be no we can we can edit it but i also i like (laughs) a little bit of real chat (laughs) welcome to the podcast
1: (laughs) oh my god great what was your question i you know what? It's gone. I'm done. I'm never, I'm never speaking again. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay. An absolute pleasure. We've been doing, the cat has entered the
1: chat. Literally, um, we're both just horrible podcast guests. I'm going to let him out because he's obviously got an issue.
0: I love this so much. For those listening at home, I think we're going to keep this in here, but um, Izzy is a writer and freelance writer. She was a uh, author for the how to, Start a, how to Survive the Modern World series, which was included with How to Start a Side Hustle. Izzy's was How to Be Online and Be Happy. I think you were the first book, hey?
1: No, I think Wendy oh. was the first one. Um, Wendy. Maybe I was the second one. Wendy's was um, How to Think Like an Activist.
0: That's right. And then came Side Hustle and Healthy Relationships, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was um fun fact is that we had all written them mostly through ISO, hey, um, yeah. in 2020, 2021, and they were all hitting the world and we realised that there was five women at that point, I think, and Roya. Um, yeah. And, right. uh, all had written these books in isolation, like literally, and came together and met for the first time and shared our experiences about writing the books and had yeah. some Negronis. <laughs> <laughs> But I thought it was It um, was. But it was so nice to touch base and we learned about your recent book, um, Sunbathing. But but yeah, welcome. Do you want to add anything else to your
1: bio? Have <laughs> I missed? Introduce yourself. Um, sex god, <laughs> comedian, um, IQ of 145. <laughs> um, no, I feel like you covered
0: it good. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, let's kick off. How did you get into writing? Because obviously, you know, not going to lie, dear little Google slash LinkedIn stalk <laughs> took me back to Swinburne University, a bit of freelance writing with Vice. Um, but yeah, tell us yeah. a little bit about your career and how you got into it and where that all kind of began. And I think we've got a lot of writers, you know, on the on our podcast listeners and startup creative community but how did you yeah get set in your career as a writer
1: um it can you hear
0: that (laughs) I love it cat lady add that to the bio (laughs) I'm
1: so ashamed he's the most vocal cat on planet, so you're in for a ride um also the thing he was completely silent all morning until this very moment so it's very typical um <laughs> I got into writing probably in high school like um not in any real way but I was a big fan of blogs and fan fiction and all of that good kind of like middle uh 2000s stuff um and I didn't actually realize at the time that it was like an interest in writing or reading because I didn't connect that being on the blogs it was the same as reading reading were you a blogger were you one of the early blogger people no no I was just a reader of the blogs and like incessant tumblr addict um well really an addict of all of the big websites um just loved loved it I would stay on my computer until like three in the morning and I would get berated like you know in intervals of like 30 minutes by my mum just, like, go to bed and I'd be like, I'm going to bed this time and then <laughs> find, like, another fan fiction about blink Um
0: What but. do you think it was? <laughs> do you think it was, like, that early where we started to have access to, you know, it was beyond books, you know, and maybe yeah, tapes, but it was this all of a sudden this overload. Interesting, isn't it? Because it was exciting at first and now we hate it. instant Um, access to anything you want of all these like-minded creators across the world
1: yeah I think too like for me it was probably um like I didn't really see myself in books that much I think books um which I'm sure is like the most common experience like in in a way I think books can be the most elucidating and beautiful and like connecting thing but when you're a teenager you're like kind of fuck this fuck that you're kind of annoyed about everything you feel like nobody gets you and then, like, someone tells you that you should, I don't know, give Catcher in the Rye a go and you're just like, well, I don't know, like, there's bits mm-hmm. and pieces in it. But um, I think the internet was, like, special in that, like, people were, um, you know, loving and writing about stuff that I loved and would want to write about if I was writing, like, you know, like, being obsessed with, like, strokes or something, you know, things that were, like, actually relatable to me. So, um I think that was part of it, feeling really validated as a person because high school and that age is really hard and I was a chronically insecure person who like didn't really trust any of my interests or feelings or beliefs. So it was really good to have them like reflected back to me by people that I respected, I think. Mm. Um, So that helped for sure. But then also just like I was horny too, so I wanted to read about people fucking. I didn't want to read about like, you know, someone's cross-country journey necessarily. (laughs) I love that. You would have (laughs) thought that
0: we'd be at an age where we're like, I remember when the internet came.
1: (laughs) It's so embarrassing. I was talking to someone the other day about how they grew up on Instagram and I was just like, (sighs) Shit, like I'm, I'm no longer with it. (laughs) Mm. Like we were talking about growing up on Instagram because it's like it was the opposite of already. In some ways, it's the opposite of what the early internet was, which is to me the early internet was like all these doors are opening and all these possibilities are being shown to me. And also, there's so much niche going on, and it's like you can constantly find this little corner where you feel. I don't know excited or welcomed or um yeah validated or whatever it might be but Instagram kind of did the opposite where it's like you know initially sure it did that and then kind of turned into this monoculture where like all of the trends get kind of squished into one and all of the expectations of people become this like huge I don't know cultural knowing like the idea that life looks this good all the time then like forces people who grew up on Instagram to feel like they have you noticed I don't know if this Mm. is like me being ageist but have you noticed how like people who are in their early 20s like always look really fucking good like always yeah kind of don't ever look turned off like (laughs) like they're they're never doing like this I mean they are but they look really chic doing it I feel like it's because they you know grew up on this idea that like you're maybe always being watched or maybe mm. you're always gonna be or like yeah. that's what life looks like. Whereas like to me when I grew up on the internet it was about showing it was kind of the be real type of thing where it was like showing like how pretty stuff really can be or is.
0: Because yeah. we were getting
1: shown a really I think a really polished and and um you know kind of basic and a very um what's the word like I don't know, the, the media that we were being shown was like the OC or, you know, the, the mm. news or like game shows or whatever, and it wasn't super, you know, forefront of culture type of stuff. So mm. I think it's really funny. I feel quite old now, like in a good way. Yeah, it, it's
0: so true, isn't it? Because it's this thing where, you know, the that what you said at the beginning of going online to find the people that shared your values and reflected them back to you. And that like, yeah, that was my space even, you know, is that yeah. the the way that you express yourself with the song and the layout and, you know, all of those yeah. things you were, it was self-expression, but to attract like-minded people that, yeah. you know, and I, I was actually having this conversation the other day. It's like when you're in high school, you kind of get your grade, right? And like I went to a small school and it was like, I think there was a hundred people in my grade um, and, than 400 people in my school or something like yeah. that. And so it's like you kind of make the best of the best. And then you leave high school yeah. and you're like, oh, this is who I am. You oh. know, because you can see you can identify in a larger pool. Um <clears throat> totally. Yeah. But it's that it's interesting that thing on Instagram of um the a lot of the same and it's it's I feel like it's getting faster paced with like the means. Mm-hmm. And it's like I, I'm the same. I feel out of touch and, like, you know, the little miss meme or whatever, that, and then all the brands yeah. start doing it. Yeah, like, okay, there's something trending. I don't know where it came from, but <laughs> yeah. there was something something's something's trending. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then it disappears and then everyone's doing some other thing and, like, every yeah. brand jumps on it. It's, like, how quick can you jump on it? <laughs> and then it's all through your feed and you're, like, okay, cool. That was, What was that one about? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, it's funny, I feel like, because the... um I mean, maybe, and this might be an old person thing to say, but I do feel like the difference between trends when we were younger and trends now is that they they took like 10 years to become ironic when we were kids. Like we were so sincere <laughs> and everyone was really, you even sincerely hated it or you sincerely loved it and I feel like that was how it worked. And there was like a bit of like making fun of stuff, but these days it feels like the whole the whole point is to make fun of something. Like you're, you know, you're reappropriating stuff in an ironic way. And then it becomes like kind of incidentally serious. But then really quickly there's like this whole other wave of people, like third wave being like, actually the thing that you were doing ironically that you now love is actually lame because you're <laughs> all doing it and we're all gonna make fun of it. And then it like kind of all just eats itself in that way mm. where I don't even like. Yeah, I often feel like we don't get long enough these days in, like, the way that um, kind of youth culture is happening or the way that I see it happening. It doesn't feel like we really get time to actually enjoy anything. Like, Mm. there's always, like, this immediate kind of let's find out what's wrong with this or let's find out, like, how it's harmful in some way or how Mm. it's, like, should be more educated or how it could be this or it could be that. Nothing really has the room to be just exploratory mm. and maybe actually the critical part could be exploratory but there's kind of too many dummies jumping on the band <laughs> and trying to be critical who aren't thinking about it in the way that maybe a lot of others are which is like engaging with the idea and being like mm. what is that and why does it feel weird yeah well there like, was no instant feedback you know like yeah. you would you wouldn't
0: like MSN chat maybe, you know, but it yeah. wasn't this post to an audience and get likes and comments and things yeah. instantaneously, yeah. you know. I was listening to this audio book the other day called 4,000 Weeks and um, was talking about, you know, time management from this perspective of like the sooner we realise that we're all going to die you know the the better that's the best way to look at time management right is that you have a finite amount of time and you can't do it all and so pick the ones that you're going to do you're going to miss out you can't like and I think social media really feeds this you should be doing this you should be achieving this much you should be you know 30 under 30 and you know this many holidays and this many followers and this many books and all these things And it's, yeah, it's this really nice perspective, but also that realisation of like, you you know, social media and the online world is designed to have us addicted to it, like in the same format as a poking machine would. And it's really, yeah, I have this conversation a lot, which would be awesome to get your perspective as your first book about online and happy, but I feel like it's on the rise of people really deciding whether their creative projects or ideas or you know mm. uh, opinions are uh, like there's, there's so much se- second guessing and oh. whether they're valid and deserving based yeah. on whether the
1: algorithm is going to reward them yeah totally yeah. for their peers or they're like you know what's gonna yeah. happen? what's gonna happen when i share this thing which i think is a really fair place to be mentally like when you see the way that the internet works, both like mechanically and culturally, I think you have every right to be afraid that like, and I'm not talking about, you know, saying something that is, um, you know, incredibly offensive, just even having an idea or making like a, trying to start a bit or making a meme or like posting an article or whatever, there's just so much, I think because there's so much getting put online all the time every day it's like anything that's not the best most interesting most cutting edge most you know like mind-blowing self-aware thing is going to get put on the scrap heap you know or
0: it might be that's a good question who's deciding it's the best cutting-edge mind-blowing you
1: know like yeah just like the people that everyone looks up to on the internet Like if one person on Twitter that people think is smart and funny is like this is lame, then everyone starts being like, you know what, maybe it is lame. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm such a lurker on Twitter and I observe this every day and I've just seen it speed up like crazy over the last few years, just this Mm. like, I don't know, yes, this huge pressure to avoid going viral because if you are to go viral you just have hell in your life all of a sudden. Mm. Like you suddenly need to deal with a whole bunch of, like even just posting this innocuous thing. um, Like I'm trying to think of an example, but I can't because I see so much internet every day. Mm. But um, like just even posting the most innocuous tweet that you might think like, oh, only my 20 followers are going to see this. It doesn't matter what I say. I don't, I can have a spelling mistake. I can say that I hate this thing or that this like, this movie sucked, or whatever. I can do that because I'm a person, and that's what the internet is for to me. And then all of a sudden, it's like you have, like, you have the person who made the show telling you why it's like actually you didn't get it, or you, have, you know, like just this this version of being accessible and having access that I don't think is um, productive, and I don't think it's healthy, and it's really scary, like. Mm. Even the idea of, like, like at any time I could be mean. Like, someone Mm. could take a picture of me from the internet and turn me into a meme, Like, that Mm. keeps me awake at night. (laughs) (laughs) Like, genuinely. Imagine one day you wake up and you have gone viral for, like, an image that somebody used of you from, like, 10 years ago and then you're recognisable by every yeah. single person on the street.
0: Like one of my friends said, uh, says that one of her biggest fears is like, like tripping over in public or something, and someone mm-hmm. making it, making it amazing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but the scary thing is, you don't even have to trip over in public. You don't have yeah. to do anything. You could also mm-hmm. be a person who is chronically offline for your own safety and your own health, and then someone snaps a pic of you in public accidentally mm-hmm. like, in the background of a photo. Like
0: i was nothing it. About it. so I was at circular key there i got off at like town hall or something like that mm-hmm. and walked in through the city and down and the amount of people like i'm pretty sure people were live streaming on like a like mm. a selfie stick and i was like ducking and weaving I'm like yeah. what how many selfies or like background photos or live streams have i been on walking through a train station mm-hmm. like, that's terrific. That's wild. Hey, so back on topic because we were talking about your <laughs> writing career. I think it's all good conversation. Yeah, I got as far big. as like the
1: first year.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's great because a lot of people really um are really struggling with it, you know. And I think Struthless, who was another great guest and good, you know, online commentator on the podcast in the space. He shared this incredible post yesterday that was like, I've been offline because. I don't know whether I'm creating for myself or for, um, the, yeah, for people's validation. And then I stop myself from doing anything and just this internal dialogue. And, you know, it's like him and I've had a few of those conversations where it's like, why do we create and how do you, how do you stay, I guess, in your own purpose of creativity and desire and use instagram as or whatever platform as a way to share it with the world but i think what i'm leaning to more towards is being disengaged from the emotional side of it and it's like if i don't care then i can put it out there and i can it's using it as a platform for whoever needs to see it yeah but like i'm also not gonna you know check it all the time and you know try to make it something for you know
1: your personality it's kind of like linkedin at that point (laughs) (laughs) yeah right um yeah i think it's a really hard thing i don't go through that so much well to a degree i guess but um yeah i've had lots of conversations with artists who use instagram as their main kind of um i guess broadcasting like, platform, mm. which um, sounds horrific. Like, it sounds like this hoops that you're constantly asked to jump through and then as soon as you get good at doing that, you're asked to jump through new ones. And um, Francis Cannon and I did an interview together for Frankie a while ago and they were saying that um, basically every time that they don't post for their own mental health, <laughs> their followers goes down and like. Uh, like their followers go down and they're um, like, yeah, they don't get shown in the fees mm. and obviously all of those things everybody knows about, but also they're like, but then, yeah, am making art for the purpose of the mm. algorithm, which is not meaningful to me, mm. but it's kind of this track that I'm in now because what do mm. I do? Like there's no other platform that exists for artists to mm. um you know create a fan base or create an audience and, and even have that exchange where like a lot of a lot of artists like sell their work on Instagram like mm. where are supposed to go from there? Yeah.
0: Website who
1: spends time on a website no one. Mm.
0: Yeah. It's um I
1: started reading and
0: I would try to get off this topic, but I started reading this other book the other day, um uh, which I just got from you know some designer bookshop, but it's a it's a commentary of these um from 2020 to 2022, it was an art show in Brisbane and it was all about, you know, the digital age and, you know, the the world of getting, you know, served a continuous scroll of the similar messages and just within the first three pages of the book to be reading something that was a commentary on why, you know, how this is playing out rather than being in it it was just the ability to zoom out and also to hear the perspective of artists who were making art offline and it was being written about in a book (laughs) and whilst it was a commentary on the digital age yeah it was a it was a gallery and it was a book and so it just was this nice little reminder of what it's like to be in the real world, and I think that's what art has always meant to be. It wasn't yeah. meant to be sucked into the sameness. It was meant to always yeah. challenge the norms and to question everything and to be critical thinking and to encourage others to do the same. And yeah. I, think I I always come back to that too of like, how can I be, how can I be authentically myself first and foremost? But how do I not make sure I'm not just
1: being more of the same? Yeah. I think too like the paradox with modern art in the digital age is like that if like the greatest thing that we can be critical of are these platforms and the way that the internet is shaping our lives and the way that we utilize the internet or it utilizes us but in order to do that like you can't really post that kind of stuff online and also be lucrative like it's so geared against you that to criticise it or to, you know, have a stance, a really opposing stance against the way that it's built, which is, like, as we know, like, so exploitative of us and, um, you know, like, is, is really dangerous in lots of ways too, but it's also really fun. Um that <laughs> it's, you know, like, yeah, it's such a Catch-22. How do you, you know, make great art about, like, and I do think that there is such great art online, even if it's, like, just little fucking meme that just, like, really hits home and it's, like, the most true kind of cutting great thing that's, like, you know, decimating everything that Instagram is trying to be. Like, that's Mm. I just love that. But I do, yeah, it's so um, non-functional when you're just, like, you know, perceiving art through Instagram that is critical Mm. of Instagram. It doesn't necessarily, I think... Have mm. a you know have a, a significant change on how much control they have over the world and how much money they make off of like kind of our desperation to make money right. to be seen. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, it's so true. Tapping
0: into every human desire to belong and be seen and, <laughs> and to pay your
1: bills by like peers. Mm. Yeah.
0: Wow! Um, I look forward to the day when the internet is burned to the ground and we're all living, you know, around a campfire again, being like, "Do you remember the internet age?" Yeah. You and me are part of the same, the same um, camp.
1: Where I like, I just I can't wait. I just fucking can't. Wait. It has to correct itself, surely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, oh, we're God. so off topic. How did you become a writer? <laughs> Let's get back from our campfire and like the, the domination of the world or the ending of the world. Hey, yeah. so you, the reason why I think you're such an expert on this topic is also because so you're a freelance writer, we can jump into that. But tell us about your writing career all the way through Perfect. to your first book, How to Be Online and Be Happy. And where. Let, let's see if we can keep you linear. <laughs> okay, let's see.
1: It's absolutely impossible. Um So I was really bad in high school, academically, always. I actually almost failed high school because I failed Year 9 English, Um, Mm. as in they were going to keep me back and then they were like, maybe you don't even need to be here. Um, I was always so bad at, like, everything, basically, um, that was, like, authoritative. So I didn't, I couldn't, I always thought I was bad at writing. I was was bad at every kind of, um, like, academic pursuit. But then uh, I was, like, a few years out of high school, got a horrible M score, like, everyone was really disappointed in me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I was having the time of my life. Um, and then I was like, well, maybe I do want to go to uni because if all of my friends are at uni or are busy and <laughs> I need something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I had a job, but it was um, pretty boring. So I just started looking at courses um, and, I, yeah, just was like maybe maybe this would be interesting. I found creative writing at RMIT. My really good friend had started it a year before and had said great things. And I hadn't spent very much time writing yet, but I just really liked reading. I started reading, what was mm-hmm. um, started reading, like, in my early 20s. So I think at this time I was, like, 20, 21, 22. Hello. Um, and, yeah. Um, yeah so I was in that course like two years I remarkably did well like I didn't see that happening and I was very confused um and like the stuff that I wrote is heinous but um it always is when you first start Mm. out I think um very very romantic and sincere and um yeah was like really trying to be something that I wasn't Mm. um but it was such a great course and, and I learned heaps and I think it was a really good trial by, five, you know, I mean uni in general but especially the course that I was in I feel or an arts course or you know, mm. something that's created this so much critical like practice where you, where you kind of learn how to poke holes in your own ideas and your work and like why are you doing things and what do you think? What do you really think? Like all of that stuff was really functional to me because as I said earlier, like I'd been such a pushover up until mm. then. So when
0: did you was that when you started thinking you'd like to write a book or what do you what was your well yeah
1: because the course itself was a um like you you major in screenwriting or novel writing so I'm, mm-hmm. I chose novel writing but I didn't actually make it that far I made it to the end of year two and then um, I got offered a job in writing so I started working for like a city guide for thousands mm-hmm. um, and I was just kind of a staff writer there for a while until I became like a deputy editor um, which was crazy too because I'd, I'd been fired from every job I'd ever had in my life and I was like not a very functioning adult human being, kind of got bored really quickly all the time, didn't really like anything that much, mm. <laughs> didn't really see the purpose in much. I mean, I now know that to be a depression, um, but mm. at the time it was definitely like, you know, yeah, I'll go to my job, but, like, if I get fired, like, what, nothing happens. Like, yeah, I won't have money for a bit and maybe I'll get evicted. What happens? Like, nothing. You know, I was so nihilistic, I think, because I was sad. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was, like, um, I left too early to write a book or think about writing a book. In the um, course you, like, start the skeleton of mm. the actual book that you would want to write, which is absolutely hilarious to me because, like, the, the majority of that, of that group is, like, 18 years old. You know? mm. it's like, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I just worked at the city guides for, like, you know two and a half years and then started working at Vice and I worked at Vice for two and a half years. So and then kind of at the end of that um I so all of that time like I was writing for online media basically mm. in in a really critical time as, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like maybe that's um a bit egotistical but I think it was like around the time that the internet was changing really from being the sincere thing to being the ironic thing, mm. um, or like going from being like a place of you know, um, here's what's on and like here's what's happening and like this is that thing to into like oh, the bachelor was on last night, like let's make fun mm. of all of the contestants type of stuff, which is like this was this huge shift that Clyde started out writing. And it and it was, I was definitely one of those people too who um felt very like, oh, okay, here's something I can do. I can like make fun of stuff for a living,
0: um, or be specific. Back to that same thing of like it was how to find, you know, like it was, yeah, it was the what cool new bar is opening in some back street, or you know, yeah. thing like that where it's and it, yeah, and it was it, it, it was still <laughs> functional. And if it, it was also still like trying to find your people, you know, and yeah. Um, yeah. and then it definitely, yeah, like has moved more towards that um, how do we have an opinion and also like yeah. how do we start the masses
1: controlling an opinion? As yeah, well. Well, I think that's because morality became something that was becoming so common that corporations or, you know, even just individuals were like, well, how do I? capitalize on that in some way so it went from like well let's tell people what's opened in their neighborhood and let's tell people like the news of the day versus um what went viral last week on twitter and let's do something like that mm. so yeah like i'll write about how dogs have anxiety too and everyone mm. will find that really interesting and i think like versus like i mean it's not a woe is me story because i was doing it so i can't be too um victimy about it, but it's a huge, it was a huge issue, I think, for the world at large. Mm -hmm. I think that we turned um what could have been something really interesting into something that was just kind of snarky, like constantly Mm -hmm. snarky and trying to, I don't know, like push people's like lowest common denominator buttons. But it also was a really shitty experience as the person on the other end, like, doing it because I had set Mm. out to, like, be a person who was trying to find what they were into and kind of was just getting, like, this idea of, like, maybe I know how I want to write, maybe I know what I want to do for a living and then it kind of just mutated into, like, oh, I actually just um, am, like, I don't know, like a glorified Perez Hilton. Well, not even because well, I'm not glorified, but like yes. just sitting at my desk every day, um, like writing stuff that meant nothing to me, didn't feel good, mm. didn't, you know, really add anything to. Mm. I was going to ask
0: that from a question from a point of view because you said like, you know, you did two years at the uh, City Guide to Two and a Half Years Advice. And before that, you had been very like, you know, yeah, you were okay being fired by jobs. Do you think no, that yeah. that, you know, four years of, I hope you're not trying to get a job out of this interview. Yeah, just cut that out.
1: <laughs> um,
0: you know, do, of starting to find your passion there where you were like, oh, you know, that, I think I was the same, I don't know if, tell yeah. if it's right for you, but it was like. I, yeah, sticking at a Startup Creative for eight years is the longest I've ever stayed in a job.
1: Huge. That's mm. a long time. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was maybe not so much my passion but, like, something that I was actually good at. So, mm. like, I mean, for better or worse, like, I'm, I was good enough at, like, writing for the internet that, mm-hmm. you know, I did well and would get promoted and would be validated like I wasn't good at the admin stuff that much, or I wasn't really good at like showing up on time every day. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not like, and to be honest, like you know that's something that's um, wrong in my brain. Like I, it's always been an issue. But I think um, like the, the the actual stuff that I was able to produce, like fit what they wanted out of a worker. So it was the first time that I'd ever really been told like you're really good at this, mm-hmm. and been treated like they didn't want me to leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was new. And I think, mm-hmm. um, I think I didn't know that I was good at writing. I wouldn't have known when I was in high school. And I'm not, I don't, it's not that I think that I'm um, particularly good in the spectrum of how good you can be, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of kind of room to move. Like in an online media job, sorry, there is a man.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Here we go with the undiagnosed the <laughs> ADD. <laughs> there's a man outside on the street walking in like a full business suit but yeah. just like a, a clear um, poncho over the top. With the <laughs> what a hood. vibe. He looks amazing. I mean, um, anyway. <laughs> um,
0: <Yeah. laughs> also, I think you should retract the statement there's something wrong in your brain because it's like, you oh, know, yes. that is, that, That's um, yeah, well, I just think it's not a potential neurodivergence of all the yeah. spectrum of, you know, the nine to five turn up and be great at sitting at a desk and you know working in a factory line doesn't mean there's just because that's not your vibe it doesn't mean you're not that's so true that's broken yeah yeah
1: and I also think coming out of that as well I think how wild it is and was like the fact that people are still doing it now but back when I was doing it I was like in my mid to late 20s going into an office every single day of the week and pumping out content in this really insidious way that, like, I will say that the, like, environment was really lovely. I had heaps of friends at work. It was really fun. I loved being there. Mm. So even then I still suffered, Mm. I feel. But, like, there is something inside me that doesn't quite understand or agree with, like, yeah, this idea of, like, constantly having to, produce something mm. which is yeah. I think like one of the bigger maybe issues with being like creative or choosing to be creative in your job mm. which is why I have the setup that I have now which we'll probably talk about later but like I think it is really really hard like you're hard pressed to be able to go into work every day and have creative juices flow and it's stuff. and it's also
0: yeah and it's you know, the creatives who might sit and create something that takes them months to create yeah. or years, you know, like, yeah. and I was reading about an artist the other day who got signed early on and but they didn't release anything for two years. They just got taken into the studio to refine their voice and all these things and it was wow. like two years later and I've always loved those stories of people you know ruminating and and discovering yourself and your voice and you know yeah. I think of how to start a side hustle which you know is very basic writing in terms of what I feel like my knowledge is but it was seven years to be able to of up creative before and that came out in the eighth year you know and yeah. so yeah. um but I uh, yeah, this idea of no wonder we're struggling to get people's attention on social media because we're up against these people who are literally come in the, you know, a whole office full of people who are,
1: who yeah. are being
0: paid to beat you at the algorithm to yeah. saturate your feed and get more out there than you could ever get out there.
1: Yeah. And they also have money to spend on getting out there if their stuff doesn't organically do well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that my time at, those kinds of jobs it was super formative and it absolutely helped me like hone in some way my like technical skills like made me Mm. a very fast rider it made me like a very um I think thick skinned rider because I got bullied all the time (laughs) by like Mm. 18 year old boys Um, but I think the it robbed a bit of my Mm. like lust for life at the time um how did
0: how did you get to that point because I think that's also a big part of our audience of people who are like this isn't in my integrity anymore or this isn't Mm. making me happy or I feel like I've outgrown this workplace and I'm feeling bored and mundane and like yeah that I don't it's I've got more to give and that's you know how do you how did you honor that or, or transition Absolutely. It honestly was
1: mutual from my work. There'd been like a maybe a two-month period. It was my dad passed away, maybe like a month after mm. I quit, and so the couple of months or sort of six months or so beforehand had been really rough in my family, and um, I was like really struggling to be at work. I Kind of was really disengaged. My like apathy for the work itself and my apathy for just everything in my life congealed, and it meant that I would go in and just sit at my computer and do, like, the bare minimum. Mm. So after a couple of, like, weeks of that or maybe a month of that, one of my managers was just like, you don't seem like you really want to be here. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I do not. <laughs> You're mm. correct. Um, and so I just, like, yeah, I just left. I mm. left. And, and um, it was, yeah, it felt so good there was, I mean, also you know, there's. I won't go into detail about it, but there's so much about online media that's really, yeah, it's really unethical. Um, mm-hmm. And around that time, it was like hitting its peak when um, organizations or like media companies had, you know, rejigged their entire setup to, you know, completely hero video content on the based on the data that Facebook was giving about video content performing well which later turned out to be completely falsified so like all of these writers were turned into like video content writers um entire like groups of people were laid off especially at my company Mm. um and all of these production departments were built although like productions cost a lot more money than writing articles so they would often not get off the ground or like it was this kind of beastly thing that wasn't really working out Um, and I personally worked on, like, four separate, um, like, video content ideas um, and, like, shot a pilot or whatever and they never went anywhere and it's just all of this waste of time and this wasted money. But um, on top of that, I think it was, like, this idea of, like, constantly chasing virality or relevance, which in creating so much content you undermine. Like, there's no way that you can create, I think, a business or a, um, I don't know, like a platform of meaning if people associate you with saturating the market with like this and that and like trying to get your interest and like trying to make you click on that and do this thing and like, you know, kind of BuzzFeed style where they had that moment of being so relevant and so important culturally um, but realised that the other stuff made them more money and so kept doing the other stuff. Um, and that undermines everything, you know, mm. that is meaningful. I think, like, so as a person who was kind of in both camps, like, I wanted to, you know, do well, and I wanted to have that job, and I found it fun, and like, I was a brat mm. um, versus like the deep down me that I was going to grow into at some point, kind of feeling like a bit of ick about it and wishing that, you know, it was different. Mm. Um, I ended up, yeah, like leaving and feeling really relieved, like, just mm. so. Free and because at the point when I left my job was to produce like I think oh, oh, someone just went around the roundabout the wrong way it's all <laughs> happening out there today it's all happening <laughs> it's Melbourne babes it's, it's funny because I used
0: to do coaching client when I was living in Melbourne i do coaching clients and they you know faced out onto my front Um, street Mm -hmm. as well because that's where the internet was best and I was the same it's like the (laughs) shit that you see on the streets when you have access to to the Melbourne streets throughout Mm -hmm. the day I'm like a little lemur yeah
1: um yeah
0: but so yeah because I I know I'd concerning. I wonder where we go with this because you mentioned your dad passed away which ended up becoming a creative process for you which has the launch of your new book sunbathing um, which was out in that, was it July? Was it around that?
1: May, yeah.
0: May, yeah. Um, you know, and so, like, maybe we go that way in terms of how when how soon after did that just start becoming a bit of a process for you? Um, but I know it's not it's not autobiographical. It, it has touches of your story in it. Yeah. Well, yeah,
1: tell us I about just, it. I think they call it autofiction, but I just call it an awful because it's easier
0: for me yeah.
1: to do that mentally. Um, yeah, I don't know. I hadn't, I was really disillusioned with writing after leaving my job and um, really didn't have any interest in doing creative writing, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was not on the cards at all. But, um, yeah, after my dad passed away, I just did, like, dribs and drabs of, like, um, freelance agency copywriting, which was um, pretty soul-fucking, but um, it was fine. And then about a year after that um, I went, I was invited by um, someone who's now my friend, Lucia Canuto. She's an artist. She has had an artist residency in like the foothills of Italy (laughs) Mm. and she's Australian but she um, was living over there. Her parents are Italian so she um, Mm. invited or invites um, like people to come and do their practice or do some other kind of practice there. Um, and, yeah, it was just like seemed like a good time. I'd just gotten like a little chunk of my dad's superannuation. I was like, what am I going to do for myself that is healing in some way or, like, you know, at least gives me a bit of space and gives me a bit of time so I went to Italy and I went and I hung out there and in the two weeks that I was there I wrote the majority of sunbathing which was based super loosely on being in Italy um where in the place where I was because it was very um very rural and like very slow and beautiful um and 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 yeah grieving the loss of my dad to suicide because um I had had like a, a year of pretty much being non existent, just fully on autopilot and not, um, yeah, not really being able to do anything um, that required energy. And then um, had read a couple of books that were given to me by friends and had felt really like, um, yeah, I guess like lonely and the loss of someone in that way I think is is particularly alienating because you, you know, don't just have feelings of like like grief um, Mm -hmm. but you have like responsibility feelings um, Mm -hmm. which I think is like a really intense way to go through missing somebody when you think that it's, you know, could potentially be your fault that you're missing them. I think that that is a really lonely time um and the stuff that I was reading and I was reading books that weren't like novels about lost to suicide but they were very um I don't know like a bit a bit soft on on what it was really like and it, it made me feel a bit crazy so um yeah so I just I was writing down in Italy while I was there I was writing down a lot of what I had experienced like mentally and just in the day-to-day and the time leading up to losing my dad and then at a point it was like oh okay this isn't um I'm not going to be able to write this as a memoir because I don't Mm -hmm. want to um, and I'm not gonna feel comfortable telling like my story my family's story my dad's Mm -hmm. story so um yeah I just started again and I just mm. like fictionalized a lot of stuff and kind of started building this world in my head. And that remarkably was like ended up being this really, um, really lovely experience where even though it was a bit odd to have, you know, created all these characters mm. and talk about them in that way, it helped me process so much stuff that I kind of mm. um, hadn't yet even looked at. Like I hadn't um, been able to look at at all. Wow. Yeah. So it was
0: pretty cool. And I think it's uh, Dr. Marion who's been on this podcast as well, is, she's developed a, she did her PhD on post-traumatic growth and mm-hmm. does a lot of work around using creativity to process trauma and leaning into it and, you know, facing trauma. You know, it's like often considered a dirty word of, you know, this thing or it's a, you know, subject to people have been in car accidents or something you know but it's yeah it's a really real thing that I think we're starting to bring out of the woodworks and using yeah there's something in in that creative process of you know I definitely had a lot of that in lockdown in Melbourne where I started writing in this way I never had imagined myself as a like a creative writer (laughs) and I was like these kind of like spoken poem things and stuff and I was just like you know, whether it'll ever see daylight or not. But, yeah, Yeah. using it as a therapy, you know.
1: Totally. It's one of the reasons why I've kind of, and this might be an unpopular opinion, but I kind of always cringe at the idea of, like, being a writer or people, like, having it be their, you know, their livelihood because I really do think that everybody Like, or everybody should write or everybody can write. I do think that, like, it is a very human instinct Mm. to tell stories about yourself or about others or about worlds that you've invented. Like, we do it all the time, all day in our heads. I don't think the only difference between someone who might write a book um, or get a book published or write online is, like, someone who knows the technical, you know, building blocks of Mm. how to do that easier, you know, or faster. And I, I, I always like I try not to be annoying about it. because It is quite a, quite a um, I don't know, corny thing to say, but I do, I do try to encourage as many people as I can to like write stuff down, like write stories, write your own story, write down what happened today, write down what happened yesterday. Like build worlds. Like do what you can to chronicle your life on Earth and your version of life on Earth because it's really important. It's important for history yeah. but it's also really important for you like for us individually to understand how we see the world what we think about stuff like yeah. how we wanna describe things or like how do we you know make sense of things that have happened to us like i don't think it's a you know a particularly mm. unique ability like i, I love do. that
0: opinion i think that's really yeah i've, I've never thought of it like that but it, i love that because it's true. It's like an it's a it's a doorway to the unconscious. And I think yeah. whether this is your experience or not, but I multiple times have, you know, even just on a bad day, like the first thing I want to do is is journal, you know, yeah. is because because yeah, I get and I'm like I need to write down exactly what's happening in the fury or the sadness or whatever yeah. so that you can look back in it in hindsight and be like oh that was what was going on for me, you know.
1: Totally. And also, like, as much as the stuff that I wrote in uni or around that time was awful, it's so fun to see how much I've grown mentally and what the, like, what are the shadows of my real self that are in that writing and what are the things that I still do or still, you know, what are the crutches that I still fall on or lean on? Like, I do think it's the most, I always um, envy people who journal because, I don't do that, but I wish I did. But, like, being able to look back on your... Um, <laughs> no.
0: Yeah, I literally just walked across the computer screen.
1: <laughs> Get out of it. Um, yeah, so I think, like, that being able to look back over your growth in such a, like,
0: I don't know, like,
1: um, perceptible cool. way. Yeah, it's yeah, really cool. It's, it's really special.
0: Hey, can I ask about where? So you obviously go to Italy. I think did you publish um how to be online and be happy before Sunbathing got a book deal? Did you did you come back and sit on it? Or what was your process of um and what your tips might be for, you know, obviously creating from that real experience and your processing yourself? But yeah, that what was your journey then to publication?
1: Yeah, I had um come home from Italy, then I was like, um, invited to, um, to start thinking about maybe being a part of the series. I'm scared that he's going to attack next. because he's doing <laughs> the thing that I'm going to push him away with a book.
0: <laughs>
1: Get out of here. Uh-huh. I don't trust you. Can
0: you I see feel that? like we should release this um, video footage with, <laughs> <laughs> with the podcast.
1: Then everyone will know. Um, what my daily life is really like. Yeah. Um, you actually need to go because you're stressing me out. I'm so sorry, everyone. No. The opposite of good content. Come here. No. Okay. Oh, yeah.
0: no. You can tell that he's gonna attack you. I know,
1: you can see it in his face. Yeah. The tail is fully oh. up. Oh god, it's so stressful. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> real content. That. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> um i forget what i was even talking about
0: um so you got home started oh, yeah. asking about being a part of the
1: series how to survive Among the on world yeah started writing that just as the pandemic kind of launched and then um <clears throat> put the novel on the back burner for ages because mm-hmm. for a little while actually it felt quite dirty and i didn't like the mm-hmm. idea of it and it was too close to home i mm-hmm. think so when I was writing it, it was therapeutic or cathartic or whatever, but then after the fact it was like, okay, that was yeah. a really bizarre thing to do and that's going to live <laughs> you know, in, the de- in the depths of Google Docs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I worked on how to be online and also be happy and then that probably took like a year all up. Like there was the six months mm-hmm. of writing, but then the, all the other stuff that came after and then in, at the end of that same year, um Someone else to read it, and so I shared it with them, and they had connections in publishing, and they, um, well, I can I don't know why I'm <laughs> making her anonymous. Her name is Tamara Um and she, uh, yeah, she she got in touch with a few different people. I think she got in touch with Kelly Fagan, who turned out to be my editor first. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I got a couple of offers, which was pretty good and had and kind of excited me, but at the same time, I just absolutely descended into fear and anxiety So, mm. I wasn't I didn't something that I often talk with people who I don't know maybe make stuff for a living or, or kind of own their own projects or put out creative stuff about is the idea that like one day you put your foot down on the pedal and then you can't really release it because all of mm. these things start in motion and you don't really know how to it takes a really long time I think to like learn how to stop or like to say, okay, this isn't, I'm not sure that I want this mm-hmm. or like I need a minute to think about, you know. So luckily I had a really beautiful team at Allen and Unwin who mm-hmm. were really respectful and understood the weight behind what I was what I had made and how hard it was going to be for me to put out. Um but I still, yeah, regardless, still had so much fear about, you know, what's going to happen when I put this out and, like, what if everyone hates it and what if people think that it's insensitive or what if, like, it's not, you know, done thoughtfully enough or, you know, what would my dad think? You know, all of those natural responses that um, kind of almost discouraged me from releasing it. But I just had a really great editor who was just like, well, you don't have to if you don't want to. Like, you can release it 10 years from now if you feel like it. Just do what you think is right um, and what feels good. And she she was also just like talk to your family as much as you can because mm. they are the people that you can trust you know like so I just felt really really good hands where well. I was like this person who really isn't interested yeah. in publishing the book just to publish the book it's about me and too. how
0: was what was some of the things that helped you with that like getting to saying yes to publishing?
1: Um, I it was honestly just gut feelings mm. I think so I had like well I had um friends and family be really supportive which was number one I wasn't going to put it out if anyone in my family felt that it was because it is it's fictional but it's at, at the essence of it it's you know our story and um I didn't I knew that there would always be whether I said something or not there would always be a question mark on how you know much of that I knew mm-hmm. personally, um, and which would then implicate like my family and friends. And so that was a kind of a hard decision to make. But everyone was like incredibly supportive, and especially my brother, who was the most important person as far as I'm concerned, to like mm-hmm. be on board. And he was super on board and really um yeah, really thoughtful and um mm-hmm. just felt like, you know, this is something that happened and we just need yeah. to be. Um, this,
0: it's almost I've I've had that experience before. It's like you know when you write, and it's you know like you wrote in Italy and it came out, and you know most of it came in one go, which you know anyone writing knows that that never happens. <laughs> it's very hard to get stay in that flow of conscious, you know, writing. Yeah. You know, it's, and that the being in that really raw cathartic space of like, oh my god, yes, this is something. But almost then, like you know, you come out of the flow state into like critical thinking, and you're just all your old patterns returning. Being like, <laughs> "It's shit. No, what was I thinking? It was an impulse, totally. you know." Like, yeah. And, but I it's what amazing. I also like is that it, you know, what back to what we were saying, the difference between content that goes, you know, fast paced and you know gets smashed out really quickly versus something that was written yeah. and, you know, travelled across the world to be written and, yeah. you know, pollinated and then being able to bring it home, let it sit, come back to it, find the team, discuss who was the best person and and give it that, yeah, that power
1: to also after of an experience that had happened over a year ago, you know. Yeah, exactly. And then you take so much time in editing um, that you do have, to a degree like you do have the time to think about Mm. well why am I doing this and what is it really about and am I okay with it and have I just kind of accidentally made a decision and Mm. here we are or is this actually something I want to do which to be honest like I never really got the answer to because Mm. it's hard to differentiate those two things like accident and intention I think like when there's validation involved when somebody's making you feel really good about something that you've produced. Um, It's hard to know whether you feel good about it because you're being validated, or mm. you know, feel you feel worthy, or
0: whether yeah, it's like what's that into like keeping in your intuition. Your, your, yeah, like, yeah, validation. which I
1: did actually find along the way, which was good in a in mm. a like some circumstances, like with that the editing, thing, that thing. <laughs> Um, that I forgot existed. Like the editing process is so um, pressurised that you um, are constantly asked to defend your decisions, which is really amazing. I'm sure it's not like that for everybody, but for me it was like that. And I ended up, you know, the first like few months of editing, I was like taking everyone's advice and, you know, listening to their expertise and trying to be kind of a good like author Mm. you know like trying to be helpful and amicable and all of those things and then after a while I was like there was one particular edit from one of my editors that like didn't just I just didn't agree with and it wasn't it was like a it's nothing it was just like a um like you should word this sentence Mm. this way because it doesn't make sense the way you've worded it and I was like you know what, no, like that, um, I that's what I want to say and that's what I mean and that's how I talk and it doesn't need to make sense to everybody. Mm. It needs to make sense to me. And, like, the, I'm not going to do that the whole book and I'm not going mm. to write, like, a book that's completely nonsensical but, like, this is what I do mean to say. Mm. And that was, like, my first little breakthrough where I was like, oh, okay, I actually do get to decide what mm. this is when it's finished and, um. You don't want to do that all the time. Like it's really, I think, uh, like Mm. it's a huge, like learning process to find out when to push and when to like not. Um, So Mm. yeah, that was a really massive thing for me. I got well, it's the
0: refinement too, and I think that was I, you know, my book was much, you know, you would know too. This the How to Survive series was much smaller. Um, and less more practical so less personable yeah. I would say but um, yeah. the refinement of people pushing back on your work is painful at first but it actually felt to me like being chiseled away you know like people yeah. like helping to sand me or the work <laughs> because yeah. and, and it made me a better writer and I still catch myself critiquing my writing or, or writing sharper sentences or you know articulating things with certain words or and
1: because of that process yeah too. exactly it's sick I think it's cool yeah. and I think everyone should have access to in some way that experience like everyone should I mean if you care about it yeah. and if you want to like have access to the process of learning how to articulate yourself in the way that is most that feels most to you. yeah
0: like yeah.
1: there's something really empowering about
0: that. And even in all of art, you know, it's it's having those mentors that are going to guide you and push you and challenge you and, yeah, and want you to be better. Like, you know, at the end of the day, editors want you to yeah. put out the best work as well. Yeah.
1: You know?
0: so, yeah. Hey, um, And so moving on to that, it's the, you know, we did go out into the world. We've had some great press and lots of events and things happened since, you know, charting I think I saw somewhere (laughs) Um, how's it been and how is that like once you you know finally hit go on it and yeah what's that what's the feeling been like and how have you kind of ridden the wave since um
1: it's been amazing it's been like it's a complicated time um early on it was like very debilitating and confusing and strange because it's just something that can't be prepared for I don't think like the going from having this super private thing that not hardly anyone has read or seen or talked about or has an opinion on to something that anyone can pick up and have an opinion on and it's all your fault (laughs) like that's a huge jump to make that I don't think um, I think no matter what you do you can never really be ready for that so that was a really interesting new bucket of feelings but the the like positive response to it and, you know, the amount of people that have read it is has been so, um, yeah, like beyond cool and, and fun for me because it's like taking this thing that used to be a source of heaps of anguish and, and pain and, and anger as well into this like community thing that I share with all of these people that like, you know, some of them, like, write to me or um, I've had conversations with, like, that make it feel really meaningful, like, yeah. in a new way. So that's been great. The talking about it all the time, I'm getting used to it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love to talk um, and that's kind of a problem because I feel like, like, sometimes I say stuff that I don't mean about the book or, like, I'll, like respond to a question trying to be helpful or like go with the flow of the interview and then like I don't know like get out of the interview and I like, what the hell were you talking about like I don't think I think I'm the last person in the world who should be interviewed say that during an interview um but yeah it's overwhelming in a really good experience
0: Amazing. Well, huge congratulations. And thank you for sharing. And I know, yeah, it's been quite the journey from you know, writing something that was very nonfiction and then, you know, really going out on your own and publishing this work of your personal extension of yourself. And um, yeah it's been amazing to watch it all come to life from having those conversations that it was coming and yeah. here it is and it's had such an incredible reception so congratulations and so nice to have you here discuss. I feel like we pinballed on like everything so good luck to anyone who made it this far
1: well thank you oh my God. Um, but thank thank you. you for having me. I'm so sorry that we started the podcast with me getting up and that there's been a whole lot of you know what year. I'm
0: here for it because the whole I think the conversation I've been having about content lately, if we circle back to where we started, is yeah, being bring back the be real, raw, mm. say it how it is. I want to feel like I'm sitting in Kay and Izzy's lounge room with them,
1: yeah.
0: Um, which True.
1: Which involves yeah. being attacked yeah. by a young male cat at <laughs> in intervals of forty-five minutes.
0: <laughs> We've got men walking past with suits and clear rain jackets.
1: Mm-hmm, um, it's all yeah. happening. It's a really all on Easy's end, by the experience. way. Yeah, no, I'm just being
0: completely chill. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast and check out sunbathing. Oh, there it is there it is? Um, your publishers, should we get a photo? Yeah, we should. Back to my thing is the content <laughs> is I'm just gonna pick up a book right of my own. <laughs> Hang on, wait, I'm gonna make the screen bigger. Um, <laughs> thank you, congratulations, well done.
1: Thanks, Thanks okay. for being here. Um, have a good day, I'll see you soon. You too.